Welcome to Retirement Matters with Dale Smothers. Dale is the founder and president of R.D. Smothers Wealth Management, South Central Kentucky's premier retirement planning firm. Dale holds a master's degree in business management with an emphasis in finance and has the retirement income professional certification. Dale is a trusted voice to families across the great state of Kentucky and a regular contributor to many local media publications. Now, here's Retirement Matters with Dale Smothers. Hello and welcome. You are listening to Retirement Matters. This is a show for folks who are fed up with outdated financial advice and for those who are looking to retire while worrying less about the stock market and more about living life the way they have always wanted. I'm Dale Smothers, and it is my goal to give you the information you need to save money, plan well, and live happy in retirement. This weekend, we are going to be discussing bonds and how that you may want to reevaluate your positions in bonds if you currently have a portfolio that holds bonds. And I would venture to say that that is you if you're listening to the show. If you have a retirement account, there's a strong chance that you have bonds inside of your retirement account, especially if you're listening to the show and you do not currently work with R.D. Smothers Wealth Management to manage that portfolio. Again, you probably have bonds inside of your portfolio. And I want to discuss what a lot of economists are saying about bonds and maybe some alternatives that you may want to consider depending on your goals and depending on a lot that goes into a retirement plan. I just want to give you some educational tidbits on bonds, what they are, and how they may work for the next 40 years. I believe that it's important for you to understand that the next 40 years in bonds, at least historically, and also I think academically, we can say that those next 40 years will not look like the previous 40 years. I've got some really good stuff for you guys. I'm going to do my best to make this work. I'm going to try to play a little clip later on in the show uh, from CNBC. So let's hope that we don't have technical difficulties here this morning. Before we get started, uh, my number again for the firm is 270-600-PLAN. That will get you in touch with my team. Most likely, you will, uh, with that number, you'll get in touch with a a lady named Miss Whitney. Whitney will be able to help direct you into what we need to do as far as scheduling an appointment, or maybe if it's just a question for the radio show, she'll be able to take that down for you, get you in touch with whoever it is on our team that you would need to speak with. Again, 270-600-PLAN. Would love to hear from you. If you're listening to the show and you like what you hear, even if it's just giving us a call and giving us a word of encouragement, would greatly appreciate you guys just reaching out to us. I bump into people who say they find great value in the show, and we want to continue to bring that value to the table. We are desiring nothing more than to educate you on ways that you can make wise decisions with your money, especially based off of this show, especially in retirement or within what we call the retirement red zone, which is that five to 10 year window before you retire. There are some phenomenal opportunities that you can take advantage of inside of that retirement red zone. And by giving us a call, we can shine some light perhaps on some things that you may be doing that we could do a little better or things that you're not doing that you really need to be doing at this stage in the game. All right, so let's get started again with bonds. What is a bond versus a stock? And the simplest way to do that is probably go back to what a stock is. A stock is ownership in a company. When you have a stock, when you hold a stock, you hold ownership 
in a company. I think I used this as an example once on the air where we were talking about ownership in McDonald's. If you own a stock, one stock of McDonald's, you are essentially part owner of McDonald's. Now, that doesn't give you the right to pull through the drive-thru and say that you would like to order a Big Mac and, oh, by the way, I'm an owner, so let's just comp this one. That's not how that works. But you are a shareholder in the profit of McDonald's. With that, you also take the risk of loss if McDonald's loses value. A lot of those companies that are traded on the stock exchanges, they're valued based off of the number of shares that are outstanding. Uh, And then you take the price per share, you multiply those two, and that's typically how you will find the valuation of a major company such as McDonald's. That's pretty impressive and very easy to understand. Whenever you talk about a small business, a lot of times it's difficult to value those small businesses. A side note here, when you're discussing the value of a company, there's multiple ways to do that. There's a price, uh, let's say a price to earnings ratio that we can go by. There is a number or a multiple of earnings that we can go by. There is even something called book value, which is where you take all of the tangible assets that a company holds and you figure out exactly what that company would be worth if you liquidated it. A lot of stock analysts will take these values and come up with what they would consider a reasonable value for the company, and then they compare that to the number of shares that are outstanding, multiply that number by the price per share, and that is how we come up with a company that we may consider a value company. A very simple explanation of this would be, let's say that you took a business that's worth $50 million on book, paper, value, right? The value of that company, if it liquidated all of its assets and paid all of its debt without any goodwill or without any business activity, it may be worth $50 million. But if you multiply all the shares that are out there by the stock price of one share, you may come up with a value of $45 million we would call this company undervalued. So when you go out and you hold maybe in your 401k or in an IRA or in a mutual fund, you see a value company or a value fund. A lot of times what they are doing is they're actually going out there and they're calculating the true value of a company compared to its value in the stock exchange. And if it's undervalued, they're buying it. If it's overvalued, a lot of times you'll see them sell or let's say unload that position. But that's not necessarily in the scope of our discussion today, okay? I just want you to understand what a stock is for us to then compare it to what a bond is. A stock is ownership, and if we simplify it that much, we would then be able to simplify a bond as lending money to a company. One of the common misconceptions a lot of times whenever we see stocks is that if we buy, say, a stock of Apple, let's say we buy one share of Apple, and let's just say that Apple is trading at $300 a share. Okay, if Apple is trading at $300 a share and I buy one share, again, a common misconception is that Apple receives that $300, and that's not the way that works. You're actually buying that from an individual. Apple receives money when they issue a a share or a stock in their company. They only receive that one time, and that is at the initial offering. When the money actually comes to Apple, 
is when Apple says to an investment bank, and we're not going to get into the weeds here, but let's say they go to to Morgan Stanley and they say, we want to issue shares of stock in our company. A lot of times, the investment bank will write them a check and then go out to the private market and try to sell those shares for more than what they wrote the check for to Apple. Uh, Sometimes that works a little bit differently, but that's ideally how that works. So when I buy a share of stock, let's say I bought a share of Apple, and at the same time, just a few seconds before that, you sold a share of Apple, that is an exchange between individuals. There's a chance that I may have actually bought your share that you sold. The person who gets that money is you, not Apple. The same thing works in bonds, except when someone issues a bond, let's say Apple issued a bond, and let's say that bond was issued for $1,000. When that first person buys the initial bond, that bond, $1,000, goes directly to Apple. And Apple guarantees to pay a coupon rate, or what we may consider interest, on that bond note. So let's say that they issue a 6% bond. We know that every single year you will be getting from that one $1,000 investment a $60 income. $60 income, 6% of $1,000. That $60 will be paid every single year. It's paid quarterly, but it totals $60 a year and it is paid to you, the bond holder, Every single year, legally, Apple is required to do that. Now, let's say that you then sell your bond in an open market, and let's just say that it happens to where your friend buys the bond. When your friend buys that bond, now Apple is still writing the same $60 check, except that that check is going to your friend, not to you. So that is a real quick and easy way to understand what a bond is. A bond is you lending money to a company. A stock is saying that you own a piece of the company. See, when you hold a stock, there's a strong chance that there's never physically been a transaction between you and the company which issued that stock. There may never physically be a transaction of money from you to them. But in a bond, every single quarter, there is a transaction between the bondholder and the company which issued the bond, or the lender and the one who took the loan. Now, because we understand bonds as loans, they are very interest rate sensitive. I am not going to make this a master's level in understanding bonds. Because it can quickly become very complicated, and although I know that you are well capable of understanding the complicated matters, I do want to simplify this for you and help you understand that it's not even necessary for you to comprehend those intricate details. But what you do have to understand is that bonds are interest sensitive. As interest rates rise, your bond becomes less and less desirable. If you have a bond right now that's paying 6%, and it's a guaranteed, for all intents and purposes, guaranteed 6%, that's a pretty desirable bond if interest rates were zero. But as interest rates, let's say, creep up to 1% or 2% or 3%, interest rates that you can get with risk-free loans to, say, a bank in the form of CDs, In order for Apple, if they had just issued a 6% bond at 0% interest rates, 
in order for Apple to attract new lenders or bond holders, they may have to issue their next series of bonds instead of 6%, maybe they go to 7 or 8 or 9%, which means that your bond that's paying 6% is less attractive. Why? Well, that's because the new bonds are paying 7, 8, 9%. And this old bond, if I buy it on the open market right now, is only paying 6%. Let's put real numbers to it. Let's say that we have a bond that we would be able to buy at $1,000. And uh, if we give them $1,000, we know that we're getting $60 a year back uh, for the next 20 years. And then in 20 years, we get our $1,000 back. That's the way a bond works. But... We could go to another area, maybe a different person or even directly to Apple, and we could give them that same $1,000 and we're going to get $100 back. Would we prefer to have $60 back every year or $100 back every year? I think the answer is very clear that we would prefer that 10% yield, $100, as opposed to 6% yield, $60. Now, the way that that works is that that $60 person is going to have to lower their bond price. So instead of offering it for $1,000 to the open market, they would have to offer that at a much lower price in order to liquidate it, which means that they have lost value in their bond. All of that is getting to this point. Over the last 40 years, we have experienced something in interest rates that we will not see over the next 40 years, and that is a drastic decrease in interest rates. Unlike the last 40 years, I believe that we will see an increase in interest rates. They can't go much lower than they currently are unless they go negative, and that is possible, but it's not sustainable over the long period of time. That is why I urge you, if you have bonds inside of your portfolio, or if you are about to retire, make a pension decision, or beginning to revisit your IRA decisions that you've made in the prior 5 to 10 years, you need to give us a call to show you an alternative. The alternative is simple, it's clear, and it's very optimistic in this low interest rate environment. Now, if I were sitting in your shoes, I would be a little skeptical. And I would say, yeah, you know, Dale, it's easy for you to say uh, that bonds aren't going to do what they've always done. But my grandfather had bonds. My father has bonds. I don't even know what a bond is. Uh, I just trust my advisor. And that's totally understandable. You should trust the person that you work with. But I'm telling you that over the next 40 years, you're going to have to fundamentally shift the way that you invest If you are in or nearing retirement, you have to look at different types of fixed income alternatives, things that will still give you that security in your principal, meaning you can't lose money due to market downturns, but it gives you upside potential that bonds just don't have the ability to give you in this low interest rate environment. Before you allocate to bonds, I need you to realize the risk that is inherently embedded in a bond. And if you don't believe me, although I'm sure you do, but if you don't believe me, I'm going to play this real quick clip from a gentleman who is on CNBC, who is actually the Wharton School of Finance and, and known worldwide 
Wharton is known worldwide as the finance school. I mean, if, if you get a finance degree from Wharton, and you know, Kali, if you if you're a teacher at Wharton, you're said to know your stuff. And he was on CNBC. Actually, this was Tuesday. He said that he was confident that bondholders. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll just let him speak for himself. But this is Wharton's School of Finance professor Jeremy Siegel. And the CNBC title of this, whenever you look up this uh, interview, is Wharton's Jeremy Siegel delivers a warning to bondholders. Take a listen to this. What are the implications for equity investors? What kind of spillover effect could that have on, on stocks? Yeah, well, moderate inflation, and I mean by that 3-4% or maybe 5 for one year, uh, actually is fairly good for, for stocks. Their claims on real assets. So the person who gets hurt the most are long-term bondholders, and especially those not in the TIPS, which, of course, are inflation-protected bonds, because they will see not only their principal erode as a result of inflation, I mean, the purchasing power of their money erode, but their prices decline as, as interest rates rise. Um, I actually sometimes say they're the ones that are going to be paying for uh, the corona, the battle against coronavirus uh, in terms of the diminishment of their purchasing power. Um, you know, history has shown us somewhere this liquidity has to be, be you know, come out, and uh, we, we're not going to get a free lunch out of this. And uh, I think ultimately it's going to be the bondholder um, that's going to suffer. That's certainly not the popular notion right now. Forty years of bull market in bonds, it's really hard to turn your head around and say, oh, you know, is this, could this be a turning point? But I, I think history will say, yes, it is going to be a turning point. So allow me to summarize that very briefly. What he is telling you is that if you have bonds, now may be a good time to start looking for alternatives if you're banking on those bonds generating income in retirement. It goes exactly along with what I was talking about last week from a gentleman named Roger Ibbotson, who discusses alternatives to bonds that we at RD Smothers Wealth Management employ in just about every one of our retirees' plans. If you hold bonds, or if you are five to 10 years from retirement, or if you're just not sure whether you hold bonds or not, you just want a second set of eyes to look at your account, give us a call. 270-600-PLAN. That one call could change the way that your retirement looks in the future. Again, that's 270-600-7526. If you give us a call, I'm sure that we will bring some value to your situation. And worst case is we'll walk away having made one new friend. I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for giving us a listen this Saturday morning. Until next week, always remember to save money, plan well, and live happy in retirement. And probably the most important advice I'm going to give you all weekend, don't forget to tell the mothers in your life how much you love them and appreciate them. And if you're blessed enough to still have your mother alive, don't forget to count your blessings and enjoy this Mother's Day weekend. God bless. Investment advisory services offered through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management and RD Smothers Wealth Management are not affiliated entities 
guarantees, investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims-paying ability of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as a sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual situation. R.D. Smothers Wealth Management is not permitted to offer, and no statement made during the show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable, but accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by R.D. Smothers Wealth Management. This radio show is a paid placement.